And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson. Welcome back to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm Bob Patterson, publisher of Street Photography Magazine. And we have a very special guest today. We're actually bringing her back, uh, Pia Perlin, who is, uh, well, she's Italian, she's German. Maybe you can tell us about that, but she lives in Nice, which is a nice place to be. That was a dumb pun, wasn't it? Anyway, so Pia, she's a, a tropical biologist, spends a lot of her time in the Amazon trying to save us from ourselves by dest- destroying our own planet. We won't talk about that, though. We're going to talk about fun things. And I'm lucky to catch her because she's getting on a plane for Colombia tomorrow to go do something interesting and important. And uh, anyway, but Pia, is a, uh, she's a street photographer, documentary photographer, and she's contributed a lot to this, this industry. And in fact, she wrote a very important article for our magazine, which is uh, live right now, about women in street photography. Where are you? So we're going to talk about that a little today and a number of other things. So Pia, welcome. Thank you for being with us again. Well, thank you very much, Bob, for having me again. I'm very happy. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, if you didn't know, Pia was featured in the magazine, I think it was, I think it was very early in 2020, or a year of women street photographers. And uh, so it's good to have her back on to talk about an issue that's very important to her and everybody yeah, that else. That was a great idea of yours to, to start this uh whole series about a, a whole year with women. I thought that was a great idea. Yeah, it was, uh, it was really good. There's just, you know, we're going to talk about, it, but there's just so many excellent women photographers, not just street photographers out there. And, uh, you know, we need to see more of what they do. But before we get into that, why don't you give us a little bit of your background? How does somebody, a scientist, who spends a lot of her time in the, you know, in a jungle, become a street photographer? <laughs> well, it's perhaps happened because I was a bit upset about what is going on with uh, nature conservation and the fate of the Amazon forest and so many other ecosystems around the world, which made me a bit uh, sad. And my scientific uh, colleagues, they said we do not have to give up. We have to stay on it and go on giving scientific evidence and creating data to support our uh, uh, our solutions that we can suggest or whatever. So we need we need the scientific data. But uh, on a personal level, I was quite a bit upset, and I still am looking at what is going on in Brazil, but not only everywhere. I mean, also also in Europe, looking at climatic changes. I, I don't want to talk about all these negative things, but what happened was that I kind of looked for something that gave me some happiness and uh, distraction. And so I started to focus on photography from a different angle because up to then I used photography for documentation of my studies, for nature photography, uh, macro landscape, travel, whatever. And, uh, My life really changed when I realized that it's so much more interesting to wait for people to step into my photo than to wait for them to get out of it. 
<laughs> and that's when I discovered street photography. I had no idea what it was, but uh, in late uh, something like 2016, I started to do that, and I have been really passionate about it ever since. <laughs> I like that. I like that line. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to quote you on that. I've got, I, I put quote marks around it. <laughs> you know what? I told you I wasn't going to talk about this stuff, but I've, I do have to ask you something before we get into photography is, you know, uh, getting our climate under control is so important. And how do you feel about people making it so political and, and all this disbelief and misinformation swirling around? And maybe I shouldn't even ask you that question, but I, I mean, you're like right in the middle of it and and it you see all this nonsense about it doesn't really exist it's not happening for political reasons i think that's where my scientific uh, side comes in because to me uh, science is not something i i believe or a religion or something science for me is the clear evidence that we have for something. I mean, then you can interpret things in one way or the other. So uh -huh. we have a lot of discussion going on within the scientific community about many things. And we have all these model modelings of uh, climatic development and the uh, consequences for nature. So there are a lot of question marks, but we still have a lot of scientific evidence for many things. And once you have scientific evidence, for me, there is not much of a discussion to be uh, done at that level. We have to have the discussion about how to deal with the scientific evidence that we have and what we do with it and which consequences we take from that. So, Because <laughs> it is. It's not a matter of opinion. It is, right? Yeah, I think one of the problems is it's, it's so easy just to oversimplify things when you're talking to voters or whatever. Yes. And what you do is anything but simple. Yes, everything linked to climate and everything linked <laughs> to ecosystems like the Amazon, it's just not simple. You cannot just say black or white or one or two. It's so so complicated. And if you simplify it, then it, uh, it gets diverted and the message isn't the same. So we scientists are very bad at communicating because of this, because we always want to give the whole message and we cannot just say uh, it works this way and so we have to do it that way. And no, that doesn't work like that because there are so many variables which change all the time. And so when we explain things, we overload the people with all these variables and they get uh, overwhelmed. And the politicians are very good at forming categories and say, it's either this or that, and that's it. And that's what the people understand. So I think that's one of the things that we have to work a lot on uh, in science. And I'm, and I'm involved in this right now. I'm going to the meeting of the Association for Tropical Conservation, uh, Biology and Conservation, uh, which gathers in uh, Cartagena in Colombia. And I'm leading a photo thematic section there where we will discuss exactly this, how to better communicate using visual uh, work like photography and how to better communicate using emotions because that's something that we are trained not to use in our language, in our communication. We have to be factual. We have to be, you know, talk in terms of numbers but not uh, in terms of emotion. And I think 
uh, we don't reach the people out there just being factual only. We have to be factual, but we also can add some emotions with some nice photos. <laughs> wow, that's really something. I'm glad you're doing that, but that's true. I mean, you go to a party and you sit down with a scientist or an engineer. They don't tell you what time it is. They build you a clock, right? You can't help it. <laughs> I've got I've got one of my family, so. <laughs> so I know firsthand. Anyway, all right. So speaking of being a scientist and using facts, you wrote an article for street photography magazine about women and street photography. And you, you, you began it by saying, as a scientist, I look at the numbers and you quoted and you did basically a, um, uh, your own study while you were at a conference and counting the number of women and, you know, in, in each session and how many were on the stage talking and you just brought up the facts and, you know, it was this, this many, this many, this many, you can't dispute those facts, right? Uh, I'm not a scientist, but I see the same thing um, in numbers of, of articles that are submitted, photos submitted to be, you know, considered for publication. Um, we can see numbers in our, you know, our mail list and other things, uh, our podcast listeners, and it's predominantly men. It's huge. So... I guess my question is, are there really so few women street photographers or is there an equal number and maybe they just don't, they just don't uh, put themselves out there as much? Well, in fact, I, I have the same question because what I did is, as you said, I counted what I can count and I can look at, uh, at a meeting or at a a photographic uh, festival and I can count the people who are on the stage and I can count how many uh, men and how many women there are but I and I also can count how many people are sitting in the in the audience and asking questions so I get a feeling about it and I get a feeling that there are more men but is it really true that's something that I can measure by counting but I cannot really measure if in fact there are so many more men taking photos at all. Maybe we're just as many. I mean, perhaps there are a lot, a lot of women street photographers today, but they are perhaps just less visible. And that's something that uh, whenever I talk to someone, we always discuss about this topic. Why are women less visible if they are there? Because I think they are there. Maybe there is a le little less women around. I mean, traditionally photography was dominated by men. That's perhaps also pushed by this cliche of being more interested in the technical part and all. I'm not sure. Anyway, I think this um, yeah, visibility is probably the, the thing. And sometimes I ask myself if women, maybe they are less keen on sharing their photos in a, say, a bit offensive way, like uh, stepping up on a stage or putting them out in a big exhibition and they are more interested in doing street walks together, sitting together and talk. And uh, that's not visibility. If you're sitting with other great street photographers and talking, I mean, unless you do it on a podcast or on a stage, you're not visible, but you're still there and doing great work. So I'm, I'm not sure what, what the reasons really are. 
But uh, my opinion is uh, there are really a lot of women, active, young, dynamic women there. But uh, if I go to the stages and to the festivals and even on the YouTube channels or the podcasts, I count so many more men than women. <laughs> yeah, you know what? And, and the same thing is happening is true in the publishing world as well, I've got to say. Uh, but then you look at um, uh, women street photographers, what Gulnara Samoylova is doing, and uh, uh, women in street. I've got my women in street shirt on. <laughs> I mean, it's huge huge groups uh you know they they've just done so well in a short period of time and they have so many people involved but maybe it's just safer being in that that type of environment i don't know you tell me well i mean the, these groups are very important because they they give visibility to to all the women and uh that might be a first step once you are really involved in one of these uh, women groups which are visible on, on Instagram or on festivals, then maybe everybody feels more reassured also to make the next step and do something new alone or with other people and maybe stand on a stage one day. Uh, I mean, I see people standing on the stage, women a lot also in science. We are a lot of women uh, up there in biology. Uh, so that's not really... I don't think we are more afraid or something. Mm -hmm. I really think it's more about the the idea of photography. What do we want to do with photography? Why do I take photos in the first place? So for me, for example, I take photos. I started taking photos because I do it for myself, for my mm -hmm. mental health in a way, for my... Uh, I, I'm happy to just take my camera and walk the streets and meet with some friends or walk alone and have these nice encounters in the street. And so that I guess that many women that I know are already satisfied with this and they, they do not really long to do a lot more with their photos. Whereas perhaps many men are more like um, they want to, to do something more with it, something more productive, something... Hmm. Uh, I'm not saying like showing off or something, but a, a bit more like exposing things to say, look at my work and let's share the thoughts and all. And this is something that uh, I think it's raising now in the, in the female community. So, you know what? I go out and I shoot a lot, but I don't show it much. Sure. Yeah. I think that's an important point, but then you do a podcast and a magazine, you see you're very active in other things that are linked to photography. And, uh, that's something that is not so much <clears throat> in the hands of women nowadays. I'm not sure why this happens, but uh, I'm sure that one day this will be a lot uh, more equal between men and women also <laughs> and between everybody else. I mean, I'm always speaking about these two categories, but I mean, there are so many categories and I'm apologizing at this point to everybody who doesn't want to fit into one of these two categories. I'm what do you see as sort of the, some of the general differences between how women approach street photography. I wouldn't I hate to use the term style than, than men. Well, that's a question that I asked myself, is yeah. there really a difference? I mean, like if you go to Instagram and you scroll through, through some mm -hmm. uh, street photography feed, 
would you recognize this is a photo taken by a woman or this is a photo taken by a man? I'm not really sure. There are, I mean, it's all about uh, maybe, I mean, there are these cliches that women are perhaps more sensitive or more subtle, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But first thing, I would say that the good street photographers that I know, uh, the men, they are all very sensitive and very... uh, they look at the details. They they don't just rush through and and want to get to some goal or something. <laughs> uh-huh. They, uh-huh. they 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 go slowly. They look. They watch. They really get into it. And so I think it's uh, it's one of the important characteristics for street photographers is to be able to observe and to be uh, to have a lot of empathy and to have some sensitivity towards the other people that are surrounding you. And so I think. Mm, within street photography, probably uh, there is a selection for this kind of people, but I'm not mm. sure it's more in women and more in may- men. I think it's just everywhere, and uh, independent of the gender, it really depends on on the person himself or herself how sensitive they are to what they see. Yeah, that's a very interesting point you make about. Just look at the photographs randomly, not knowing who made them, and see if there is a difference. I I tried I, I tried this a bit just for fun, and uh, it's difficult. But I mean, many names are just not uh, really telling wh- which gender the people are. So, you, but then you will never find out. <laughs> but. Uh, I really don't think that there is something like uh, a woman photography and a man photography. I think uh, there are women who are more sensitive and less sensitive, just like men. So I, I'm not sure if we did it in a scientific way <laughs> to test. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> we, can, we can set up a, a test and have some, some uh, sig- um, significancy tests about it. So we can do that. <laughs> a blind test. <laughs> yes. Yeah, pretty interesting. You know, in your article, you said that, um, you know, you think men are more likely to to try to get included on panels. And uh, in my experience, I do see more men asking to be published. Hmm. One example where that's not true is you. That's how we met you, because you reached <laughs> out to us. <laughs> And you do good work, obviously. But anyway, but I think that 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 you made a really good point in the article about that because you know I think men are probably a little more assertive or aggressive in trying to be seen. What what recommendations would you have for a woman to reach out more? Well, I think um, first I would like to to put this uh, perspective forward that. We, we are there, we the women, we are there, we are good, we are, we have fun doing these things and we want to get involved. So we, we have perhaps to do the next step and be more active. So instead of uh, waiting for someone to ask you to, to go up that stage or to write an article, just be active and, and ask, like I did. I mean, I, I re- read your articles and I, your magazine and I listen to your podcasts. And uh, there are certain questions that arise, so I write you 
uh, an email and, and ask you certain things. And so you, you have me on your radar and next thing you, you ask me to give an interview. And uh, it's not because I wanted to be on your show. It's because I was interested in this communication. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes to, to be on a, on a stage, you have to be a bit more aggressive and really insist or uh, ask or suggest a topic or suggest a title. Um, it really depends. I mean, on these commercial uh, things, you really have to be a bit more aggressive in a way. Yeah. Um, but in terms of normal street photography festivals or, or podcasts or whatever, it starts with a conversation uh, and it starts with sharing. And I think it's this idea of, of sharing what you're doing. That, that's what is interesting. And that's what gets you exposed at a certain point. I was not really keen on on standing on the stage and, and being seen by everybody and having an applause. That's not my goal. My goal is to, to share my ideas. And I, I read a lot and I have a lot of ideas and I analyze things. And so I'm happy to share with others mm-hmm. what they think about this and what's their opinion or point of view. And this is how it, how it then all gets rolling. And I think the recommendations that I can give from my point of view is to to enjoy also the other things that are linked to photography and not just the mere photography itself and uh, enjoy to, to show the photos and to talk about the photos, about my photos and about your photos, go to exhibitions and, and exchange. And, and why not also uh, show your interest in being exposed and being on the stage or writing an article or setting up a, um, uh, a nice presentation or something. So I think, yeah, it has to be a bit more open, uh, shown <laughs> what you want to do. Of course, as an academic, you do that naturally as part of making your living, right? I mean, you, you do this all the time, I'm sure, in, in the scientific world. Yes, I have to be on uh, conferences like two or three times a year. I have to be on that stage. And uh, when I was a student, I wanted to die but then you learn it. I mean, they, they just have you do it and they, they teach you how to do it. And at a certain point, you feel comfortable. And at a certain point, you even enjoy it. So it's, a, it's an evolution. It's not there from the beginning. I never sure. dreamt of standing on a stage at all. But it's, it's just part of the job. And so once you get used to do it, then you see also the advantages that it has. Because it's nice to, to have this visibility, which then gives you a lot of um contacts and networking and new ideas arise and then you are invited to do projects and that's what i like about standing on the stage not so much that people listen to me and it's a one direction thing but uh this interaction that that comes out of it because people after the talk they come to talk to me and people whom i would never have met they make some proposals for a joint project or for an exhibition and that's fantastic that's the point that I really like about it. Yeah, it gives you a way to connect. One thing I've learned in, in the publishing business is you don't ask, you don't get. Mm-hmm. If you want your work to be seen, then ask. But I'll give everybody a tip. Don't just send me or some other publisher a link saying, hey, look at my website. <laughs> I think like what you said, you contacted us because you had a question, you had some ideas. I think uh, I think you contacted us about about your unicorn. Oh, yes, right. Blow up, <laughs> the blow up unicorn 
<laughs> on the clothes beach, that people yeah. use on the beach. <laughs> right. But you know, you you had a like a some compelling questions about it, which obviously got you on our radar. So, you know, have something to say. You ever hear of Jim Rome? You probably don't know who Jim Rome is. He's a sports talk show guy in, in the U.S. And uh, he has his own lingo for his show. So he always tells people, have a take. Have a take means have an opinion, have something to say. And he says, have a take, don't suck. <laughs> so have something to say, but make it good. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a good point. And in street yeah. photography, it's also important to have this dialogue and this. Uh, this is yeah. also what makes you grow as a photographer. If you if you never talk about your photography, I think you will stay more or less on your level. But if you think about it and share your thoughts and and have this discussion, then you can also evolve your photography and bring it to a higher level. I really think it's linked to using words in a way. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, one thing we, we require in any article we publish is to have text with it. Mm -hmm. Write about your work as well. And sometimes that's hard because many of us are more visual than verbal. But uh, um, I you know, learned a long time ago dealing with other photographers and people who write about their work, I think um, just have a better understanding of their own thinking, you know, just having to distill it down into words. Right. Yes. It helps you to focus uh, as does. soon as you have to find a, a title and you have to think about like a, a summary, then you really have to think, what am I really doing here? <laughs> and it's not unless I write down an, uh, a summary that I really know what I'm doing. <laughs> sure. I mean, because otherwise it's too diluted and, and you put photos in your series which perhaps don't really belong there, but you just like them. But as soon as you have a clear title or a concise concept, then the photos will be in a, in a better context in the series also, and you will be more... Uh, sure which photos you will include in the series and which don't uh, really have to do anything with the subject you're dealing with. So how do you do that? How do, how do you know what to say? Do you use a special uh, process or any special tools to, to get all these random thoughts into something coherent? Or, or have you just been doing it so long you don't even think about how <laughs> no. you do it? No, I tend to just use my my brain. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> Sometimes it helps because photography can be something very impulsive, and that's the nice thing about it. If you do it for for leisure on the weekend, then you don't want to think about uh, complicated stuff, and you just want to go out with your camera and be happy. But to me, it happened that at a certain point, I was not so sure what I was doing out there anymore. And so I kept on repeating the same things. And mm -hmm. I found it less interesting to always shoot the same stuff. And it was when I was in a relaxed mo moment, but I, I started to really concentrate and focus on. So what, what could I do next? What could be an interesting project? And who, who could I ask to get involved together with me to do this? And that's when... It starts to be really interesting, especially if you don't do it alone, but you have one or two other photographers to join. And then you have these discussions you meet on on the Internet and you talk and you have ideas. And then hmm. one writes a title and the other one writes a, 
the summary and then you think about it and you get back to it and then it has this a bit more let's say intellectual level which mm -hmm. makes it so interesting and yet then maybe you read a book from some one of the big photographers and they have their quotes and then you say ah that's exactly the point and then you put this idea in it and so it's it's all a about the exchange of ideas and and using your brain to, <laughs> to do things and not only uh, let things happen. Yeah, so more of a collaboration then. Yeah, collaborations are a lot of fun. I mean, there are people who who prefer to work alone, and there are certain things that I prefer to do alone. Like when I go out with my camera, mm -hmm. I'm very bad at taking really good photos. If I'm in a group, I have to be alone then. But uh, I do enjoy a lot to be in groups. So I, I'm a member of the Optic Nerve Collective and, oh. and, uh, wow. and of, of the Photon Collective here in Nice. So that's uh, interesting groups for, yeah, for discussion and for having new projects together and always evolving. I, I like to always develop and, and never stop. <laughs> I try to shoot with other people, like just an individual as much as I can. It's a little hard because I live in a small town, but um, I've learned so much lately working with other people. I mean, we go go off and do our own thing. And uh, but then it, what I find interesting is when I look at their work and they would approach the same subject completely different from me. And I can learn a lot by by how they do that um, just by you know, working the scene more or whatever, taking a few steps this way or that way and thinking about it differently. But you, um, you said that, you know, it helps you to, to work with other people, you know, on a project or whatever. Do you have any examples of any projects that you've, uh, that you've worked on like that, that, that are out there well, in the wild that we could see? <laughs> well, the the things I did in the last probably two years, they mm -hmm. are all in a way or the other related with other people. Because in the beginning, I was not very uh, self-assured as a street photographer. I didn't even consider myself as a street photographer yet. So I, I mm -hmm. went out shooting alone because I wanted to learn. Sure. And once I, I have a certain level uh, and people come to step towards me and, and ask me to do something together then that's for me where, where it starts to get interesting. And so, yes, I do have, I would say, all the recent projects that I did, they are all with other people. So one, one specific thing that I have been doing is about women artists, where I took photographs of uh, women who, who make their living from art, and I took their portraits and um, talked to them and asked them for their most important um, positive things they learned in the last two years that were so mm -hmm. difficult to all the artists and how they can, uh, yeah, where they get their resilience from, where they get their strength from. So this is a, a project that I did with other women. It's only about women also. It's called uh, hashtag women artists. And it will be uh, uh, displayed this month. Uh, actually, the, the opening will be next week in uh, Nuremberg, in, in the German city of Nuremberg. And it will be on, on the whole month. And then uh, it will come to Nice also. So and, and these are projects that are so nice because the project itself, it's with another woman. 
So we are two uh, photographers who do this and we contacted 15 artists each. So you have to talk to these people and then uh, you show the photos in an exhibition. And so you have, you meet people there. So it's all about this exchange. What did you take away from that? From, from, from the, the, from the, uh, the women artists project? Because you, you asked that, them a lot of really important questions. Yeah. So for me, the most important thing is that uh, you have to help yourself to get out of it. <laughs> and you have the force to do that. You have the strength. You have to believe in it. Because I, I didn't, I wasn't in a really bad, uh, really good mood in these two years. And uh, I was a bit depressed. And I, I, I started to think, to see things in a quite negative way. And that's not what I am usually. I'm very positive hmm. about things. But so I, I started to talk to these women. And I said, yeah, we have to be positive. We have to see our strength and we have to move on and do something that uh, makes us feel alive, <laughs> even if we're in the lockdown or if everything is closing down and uh, just be positive about things and, and keep, the, keep the dialogue up so that uh, you see that other people are in a similar situation and everybody's in a way... Mm, not really happy, but we still do something positive to get out of there. And it's, it's again, it's about being active. You, you can sit in your chair and just start crying <laughs> <laughs> or you can say, okay, let's do something about it. And so you start to be active as an, as an artist and, and go out to do some new photography project. And this makes you come out of this uh, sadness also. And how did that project come about? It came about because we, we talked about it. We, we said, ah, oh, oh, everything is so horrible. Everything, you know, the world will just go, the world will end and everybody's sad and everybody's depressive or, or ill or something. And, and we said, no, we can't do that. <laughs> and so we had the idea for this project and we said, no, we have to show the world that the women are there, that they are active and that they are strong. And this way give um, a lot of, Mm, happiness also to other women and give the show them we are strong but you are strong also and and just do it what was it like to start out i mean was it hard to get buy-in from your subjects i actually i expected them to be more negative in a way when i contacted them uh, i i know all these women i i chose 15 women that i know here from the region and uh, they do different kind of art. There are some photographers, there are some uh, sculptor or painter or musician, whatever. And uh, I asked them, so how did you survive these horrible times? And they say, which horrible times? I had the fun of my life. I had time to do things. I had my kids at home, you know. <laughs> so not everybody really suffered. But those who, who were bad, in a bad situation, they they tried they really made the effort not to just uh, cry and on the contrary to say yeah you know it was really difficult and I didn't earn any money and I didn't know how to pay my rent but I'm still here and I'm still doing it and I uh, and I'm happy that I made it you know like the phoenix coming out of the ashes I am stronger than ever it's uh, yeah it's an old cliche also but it is what happens if you have a crisis and you go through it then you feel stronger afterwards so how how did the end result differ from your original conception? 
Yes, it, it changed because uh, I had a concept and I had an idea. And in the end, it's pretty different from that, yeah. which uh, I find good because the, the original idea was I take photos of my friends and I couldn't visit them. So I took, uh, took my camera in front of the, of the screen mm. and I took these really blurry and, and grainy <laughs> photos. And uh, that, was kind, that was also the idea that I took these, a bit, these photos that are a bit sad, a bit uh, black and white, you know, not very happy. And then I looked at them uh, some months later and I said, no, I can't just show these sad gray uh, photos <laughs> of my friends. That's not them. They are colorful. And so what I did, I made a collage with their uh, artist work that they worked on during the pandemic. And I and I um, overposed them so they that I have their their uh, face a bit blurred and then their colorful works which most most of them work in color so i put some colorful works in front and it's uh it's a nice um, way to show that art takes you out of this uh black and white sadness <laughs> will that be available to be seen online somewhere is it or only going to be at the exhibit mm, well i'm not sure if uh, it might be possible that they will do a video or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, I put it on my website already. They are oh. there. Yeah, I, I put up some of the photos. So, yeah, let's see what happens next. You see, th this is what I like about uh, such a project. You start off with an idea. You find another person. Uh, she joined in. So we had this idea together. We developed it. We talked a lot about it. And now we have this exhibition. But it doesn't stop there. It's mm -hmm. going further maybe one day i will do something else with it uh, and have something that is visible on the internet or something so <laughs> you just never know you never you know, know right? you, just, you know you don't expect it to be perfect just take the first step and start moving forward and uh, you know the journey itself is fascinating it is yes and it's a bit playing around I, it's uh, it's difficult if you if you are too scared to show too much of yourself. Yes. And uh, th then it's difficult. But I kind of lost this uh, this fear and, I, and I'm enjoying to just play around and, and see what happens. And sometimes I, I do something and I send it off to a friend and then she or her, he says, no, that's not working for me. And then I discuss why and how could I do it better and then... So it evolves, and uh, but but you have to do the first step and and show it to someone, and uh, then get feedback about it. So how, how can somebody who's like fearful of taking that step, first step, putting themselves out there, showing their work, whatever that fear is, how do they get over that? Well, I think they have to make up their minds what they really want. Mm -hmm. If if you want to have this. Um, life as a photographer who interacts with other photographers and who does interesting projects, then you have to overcome this fear and you will find your ways how to do that. It, it, it is stepwise. It's not something that you just put on the level lever to the other side and, and now you're a different person. It doesn't work like this. But for example, when I started street photography, I would, I would die to, to take a photo of someone in the street. I just wouldn't, would not be able to, to take my camera up and, and put it in the face of someone, even, mm -hmm. not even a, at a three meter distance, you know? 
and and I learned it progressively because I don't I don't do it in a in an aggressive way. I look at the people, and then I get their look back or not. Maybe they they ignore me, but they they have an expression on their on their face. And if I say that they see that the expression is negative, like looking away mm. or looking angry, then I just walk on. But if I see that the person is relaxed or maybe smiles at me, then I take this as a, yes, you can take my photo, you know, <laughs> and then I take mm. the photo. And so I, what I can do today, and it's five years ago, I, I never did this. I can talk to a perfect stranger in the middle of the city, even without my camera. And I don't need my camera anymore. And I, I just enjoy to talk to someone because maybe there's a lady with a beautiful dress and I look at her because I like her with her dress and she looks at me like asking questions and I say, I like your dress, you know. I would have never done that before. <laughs> so I learned this through photography. I developed my own um, skills of interaction with people, with unknown people, because I wanted to to get better at street photography. And so I think, uh, to come back to your question, how can people who are maybe a bit shy uh, overcome this? I think it's really, you have to decide that you want to go there, and then you will find your way to go there. But there are many people who, who don't really want this. Uh, I know a lot of street photographers who prefer to take photos where you don't you don't see faces at all and you just see a silhouette or something. That's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. And I think not everybody has to do this. Not everybody has to step out. But those who want to, they have to get their mind clear about it and, and figure out how they can go there, like overcome this fear and just try and just go out with a kind of an open smile which helps a lot because uh, if you if you are if you are a bit scared the people they they perceive this I mean we are humans we we read our in our faces and uh, if if I'm as, as a street photographer I'm, I'm I'm really scared then the people would look at me and, and see there's someone who, who's scared and and they 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 yeah. interact with me in this way. You know, when you're afraid of something, I think what really helps too is to just to ask yourself and, and drill down is, what am I afraid of? Really? What is it? Why am I afraid of that? And usually it's something that uh, doesn't even exist. Yes, I think you, you can really ask yourself, what is the worst possible thing that is going to happen if I raise my camera and take a p picture of this person? So the worst possible thing, depending on where you are, maybe you get get a punch on your nose but usually that's not what happens usually you get a, a smile or a or a or a person who looks at you in a bit uh, questioning way and then you can also explain what you're doing you can say look i, I i'm taking photos i'm doing a, a workshop or i'm doing a project and uh, and then you start talking about your street photography and one of the strategies in fact is you talk so much about street photography that they just say okay just leave me alone <laughs> And then they walk and that's fine. <laughs> you take pictures of streets? <laughs> I hear that sometimes. <laughs> no, not really. But here's here's my definition. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. So when you go, like you're going to Columbia tomorrow, and mm -hmm. you're going there for work, are you going to do street photography while you're there? Or do you normally do that when you're... I'm always carrying my camera now. Okay. I mean, I, I will be a bit careful in Colombia and uh, it's a bit tricky in some countries like Brazil. Sure. I mean, if you look like me, like, uh, hello, I'm a tourist. Yeah. <laughs> then uh, you might get robbed, but I, I'm very careful and I usually have a very small camera with me 
and uh, and I really really like to take photos in different countries and in different places and especially in in these countries the people are not so not so scared of uh, cameras like uh, in Europe in Europe nowadays in many countries it's pretty difficult in France and Germany people really don't want you to take up your camera and and even if they have the suspicion that you take that photo they will already start to to be in a bad mood so I think mm. in South America it's different. They they are more happy to share photos. <laughs> Interesting. France and Germany. What about Spain and Portugal? Uh, they they're a bit more relaxed there. I have been <laughs> I <laughs> I have been taking photos in Lisbon and that was really nice and easy. Mm-hmm. And it also depends on the place where you are. Like in France, if you go to the Promenade des Anglais on the beach, you know. Mm people are very relaxed and yeah. usually nobody has anything against it. But if you go three roads further towards the central station, then people are in a stress uh, mood and they don't want to get their pictures taken. So <laughs> it really depends on where you are and, and how do you behave and all. What they're doing. Yeah. If they're busy mm. working, going to work, getting the appointments or whatever, they don't want to be bothered, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And so what's next for you? Other than this conference you have coming up, yes. Well, photographically, I'm, uh, photographically, <laughs> I'm I'm finishing uh, my fourth book. I have been writing books during the pandemic, and they are published with a with a good publisher here in Germany. And I write them in German language because that's where I'm. Uh, I find it less difficult to write. <laughs> and uh, so I'm writing a, a book now with Martin U. Waltz from Berlin, who is a street photographer, who is pretty well known and. Uh, we are writing something about some some kind of masterclass about street photography, you know, with uh, ethics and philosophy and oh. how to take your photography to a next level. Yeah, I did the, the previous book. I did it with Siegfried Hansen, and that was about uh, how to um, build up your photos in street photography. And so this one here is hmm. a bit more into the philosophic uh, <laughs> direction. Are in, any of them translated into other languages? I'm I'm working on that. Yeah, I really yeah. want them to be translated into English. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> but I can see why you'd want to write in your own native language. I have a hard time in <laughs> I only speak one and I have a hard time. So. <laughs> well, I, at first I thought I would like to write the books in English. I mean, I, I use technical English for my mm-hmm. um, scientific publications. I have to publish a lot. That's the old story. But that's a very technical language. And I find it difficult. I mean, you can tell by listening to me that I don't have the, the language to express myself in a beautiful way with all the nice words and sentences. So. Uh, it's better to use the native language. And my mom is uh, German, so that's why I chose German to, to write that. <laughs> well, I certainly couldn't tell that talking to you. You <laughs> you have uh, an excellent command of English, so. Oh, well. <laughs> well, thank you. They were very sweet, but I don't think so. <laughs> oh, well. At least not a, to write interesting books. They are really nice yeah. to read, you know, use some yeah. nice terms and all. Yeah, it's Well, writing is different, too, so. <laughs> Well, that's wonderful. Well, um, so I'll have to definitely get get a link to your uh, uh, to your woman artist, you know, to the um, to the article on your on your website. So we'll put a link okay. to that in there. Where where can people go to uh, to see more of your work and just learn more about you? 
Well, I have my website, where, which is my name, uh, piaparolin.com. And there, there is a link also to my projects and of, to the hashtag women, photographer, uh, women <laughs> artists project. And I'm also on Instagram, also with uh, Pia Parolin photo. So I'm easy to find. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's good. That, that helps a lot. Well, Pia, well, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time. It's good to, good to see you again. And uh, I was glad I was able to catch you before you, before you uh, went to South America. I'm so happy about this interview. Thank you very much, Bob. It's always interesting to talk to you and it's so interesting to listen to you and to read your articles that you choose for your magazine. It's fantastic. It's really a lot of inspiration and a lot of food uh, thought, food, <laughs> food for thought. So. <laughs> 